0: I think the definition of intimacy is really important. Communicating obviously is part of it, but understanding the emotion and what what it means to listen and to hear and to validate and to encourage those kind of negative emotions, not, not bad emotions, but negative ones so they can be heard and understood.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Uncovered Podcast. Really good to have you all. You know, I'm here with my good friend, Nick. How are you, sir? I'm doing really, really well. Thank you, Femi.
2: What about yourself?
1: I'm well, thanks, man. I'm really glad that you didn't, you know, react to me actually giving you a nice intro because every single time (laughs) I seem to give you a nice (laughs) intro, it becomes the biggest deal. Like I'm not a nice guy, but that's all right. I'm glad that today you're getting used to it.
2: Yeah, you've been quite consistent for like the past four or five episodes. So at this point now, maybe I'm thinking it's the new you. So it's like, okay, Thank let you. me just Thank accept you. that.
1: Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. It is a new me. I'm refined. I've been defined and refined. As always. And we always are. But today's episode is going to be sick, because right? I think that it's something that a lot of people have been asking us about. A lot of people have been wanting to know a little bit more about. And we have an expert in the field, right? And we're going to be talking and uncovering more about men's mental health it's such a hard topic, you know, it's so mm. hard because we all know, guys all know, they're like, yeah, yeah I probably should talk, right? I probably should, but mm. how do I do that? What's stopping me from doing that? And obviously, as we can see in the disparity in how many people engage in mental health services, it's probably sitting there around the 80-20 mark or even yeah, even worse, right? Mm. So why is that why is that happening? So we've got an expert joining us here. You know, men's mental health counsellor, expert, Mr. Howard, how are you, sir?
0: Well, it's very nice to be here. And it's uh, Thank you for the little intro. I don't know whether expert is always necessarily fits with the <laughs> tag, but, uh, you know, I've been working in the field for a while and I'm also a bloke, so so maybe that's part, part of the expert <laughs> bit, but so you thank got the you for Fem- having me.
1: <laughs> you got the Nick and Femi stamp of approval. You are now officially an accredited expert from that's the an Nick
0: and Femi... College Beautiful. of. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks. That's, all. That's what I've been waiting for. I've, I've been waiting for this all these years.
1: <laughs> it's a very prestigious one. People like, uh, we had this one guy that was like,
0: mm, do I want a Nobel Prize
1: or do I want to be a Nick and Femi expert? Right. I, said, why would I why would I want a Nobel Prize? Right. <laughs> obvious choice. <Yeah>. Obvious. <laughs> obvious, man. Come on.
2: Come on. <laughs> That's awesome. Braider. That's better. But, you know, Howard, it's going to be, it's so great to have you here. Thanks for connecting with us. I think this is going to be such an exciting podcast because we actually did one on men's mental health, like one of the first podcasts that we did um, when we were still new to it all and it had such great responses, great reactions. and We didn't even delve into it as well as I think that we're going to right now. So I'm really, really excited to have this conversation. And I think the best way to kind of start is by talking about, you know, I think everybody has an idea, kind of like what Femi mentioned is about the relation to men, obviously being myself, Wine and Femi, you know, kind of, kind of, is what we're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, i kidding. But we know that men struggle to express their emotions. And obviously this is due to so many factors, such as conditioning, you know, false perceptions of emotions and all these kind of sure. things. So how do we actually break this
0: cycle? What a big question. Let's start with the easy questions first, shall we? Then we'll (laughs) go into there's a few things there's a few things that sort of come to mind. There's a few layers to the question, I think. You know, part of it in my experience when I look at part of my own life, but also the work that I'm doing with guys and even some of the parenting work that I do with fathers, there is something about the way we maybe need to educate boys and, and kids generally, but certainly boys in our school systems, how we support parents uh, to kind of coach boys, particularly to understand their emotional health from a quite a young age, really, you know, so that there's a, there's a kind of environment that we know we grow up in, and that are so many factors, schooling <clears throat> is one, the family of origin is the other. Our community, our peer group, and so on and so forth, even our sporting teams, our uh, community uh, kind of engagement activities that we do. But there is something about learning the language of emotional well being from a very early age. So, you know, emotional well being is as much a skill as it is an awareness, Mm -hmm. but it has to start very young. And I don't know whether we're we're better at it. There, There are programs in schools now than the Compared to where I was, you know, 25, 30 or so years ago, there were resilience programs, but there is something for boys, particularly, to have a language Mm. at a fairly young age. And how do they learn? They only learn from their adults around them as much as their peers uh, as they grow up. So part of it's education, I, I believe, in terms of kids and parenting. The other part of it, of course, is, you know, even with adults, it's about a combination of adult education, skill development and self awareness. And, you know, the, 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 there's a combination of things that I think men respond to much better than mm. AB women, which is learning skills, learning to have goals, having concrete steps to understanding their well-being, which is not the same as the, the fuzzy F word, which is the feeling word, which mm. I think is a language that men don't always use. So, you know, th- th- there's a few layers of looking back at how we learn these restrictive ways of coping. Um, the work I do with men, I think, is a combination of awareness raising, psychotherapy, education, coaching, um, and the first step is usually guys who become aware that there's a need to understand themselves, or they get coached and supported by people around them that care about them to go and look for more understanding of their well being. So it works. The, the entry point to well being is. Uh, self-awareness or at least awareness of others um and i, th- I think that's kind of where the beginning points are because mm. so i've got a
1: couple of questions that sure. i'd love to take a step back because that's a heavy question to start yeah. but in terms of the difference between why men can why women speak compared to men what did you find was one of the big difference makers like what was one of the yeah. barriers what was the reason why men feel like yeah i can understand that like yeah. Life's kind of going to shit, but how do I yeah. how do I talk about it?
0: Yeah, and it's a great question because it, it's sort of partly because it shows up in my room when I'm working with couples as well as with guys mm. individually. But when I think back at my experience growing up, um, I think there's something in the research that says something about men's brains. I think we generally process a lot slower. So there is something in, in literally the way we get to kind of form our understanding of the world. Um, so we don't talk that easily, and we haven't got the language to speak. And we're not even sure what we want to say. And there is something, this, this is like boxing too many men, in, I suppose. I don't want to stereotype men and women. Women, in my experience, just know how to talk. They think quicker, they process quicker, they have language uh, that's more sophisticated. And somehow. can they can they can talk quite well and quite quickly and the problems associated with that for men is they get lost and they tune out. Mm. So if we're already disconnected from our own internal language and then somebody who's with us is highly connected or highly able to process, then we get kind of lost and confused. So we're, we're less likely to even engage, we'll disconnect. So that, that's kind of part of the differences that I see in, in the difference between men and women.
2: Yeah, wow. that's super fascinating because I even I know <coughs> for myself, and I think you touched yeah. this at the beginning when you were talking about the first key to or the first key to entry in any form of well-being is the self-awareness. Yeah. When I was not aware of my emotions and how I was feeling, or even the need for me to even, you know, even express. It was hard for me to be able to articulate to anybody. And I found myself constantly frustrated because when I was asked about how I was feeling, I articulated that poorly or incorrectly. And then people had a different notion or perception of what I'm trying to say or or how I am perceived as, which led to this perpetual cycle of me being like, oh, you're not understanding me. So I'm just not going to talk about it anymore because I don't want you to have the wrong idea. So I'm curious in your kind of encounters when you are having these therapy sessions and counseling sessions with men. Um, and whether this is their first time actually presenting, because I'm not sure, or they maybe haven't gained that awareness and are not fully aware. How do yeah. you go about getting them to kind of extract or take that first step in eliciting information?
0: Well, the, the beauty for me, I think, is um, the men that come and see me, they they kind of want to be there. They may be ambivalent. Uh, they may be a bit nervous and a bit scared. Um so when they come into the door, the interesting thing for me is that is I'm a bloke. Uh, mm. I don't I don't sit with a with a white coat and a you know I'm not making notes. I don't <laughs> work in that you know I'm quite relaxed. It's fairly informal, but it's it needs to be inviting. So and the first thing is making men feel comfortable in being a bit nervous and a bit unsure, and that it's that we normalise it quite quickly. Mm. And then what happens really is you know, my invitation, really, to help men tell their story in whatever way it is. And telling the story can be a bit clumsy, it can be awkward. And in fact, that's what most men start with. I don't quite know what's going on. I know mm. something's not right. Um, I'm feeling irritable, or I'm withdrawing from my partner, or I'm not communicating very well, or I'm working too much, I'm drinking too much, or, I'm you know, I'm escaping too much. And we very quickly kind of normalize those kind of experiences as being very common. Mm. And I I often say to guys, if you could, you know, watch a movie of all my therapy sessions with all the men that I work with, which you will never be able to do, of course, but the themes around it are incredibly common. And it's Mm. to do with feeling uncomfortable, not having the language or the words and being really confused Mm. in terms of what's actually going on. and. Pretty quickly, once you're allowed to create the space to talk, they'll start to feel relief. It's kind of mm-hmm. okay to sit in a comfortable room in Hampton, Bayside, Melbourne, or Melbourne CBD or wherever, or whichever therapy room it is that you're allowed to speak about your own experience without judgment, without criticism, and even without a diagnosis for that matter, For that, you know, in, in, in many, many cases as well. I, I learned early on that if you create the right space, men will talk. Uh, so you how know, if do you... Create you- yeah. Sorry, go ahead, So, well, it's a bit like if you create the right podcast, men will listen. Mm. You know, it's it's something that you're doing as much as what I'm doing as much as other people are doing, that in normalise and invite conversation without the judgment and without any kind of criticism.
1: So, how do you get men to? What's the like? Is there a structure for telling this story? Like, how do you get men to actually say it? Because I think that like you said, when people come to your side and they are comfortable, they've got like, they've probably overcome a few hurdles to even get to you, right? But if you're sitting in your room, life is a little bit tough. How do you make sense of it and tell your story to yourself to be able to understand and articulate what you are kind of going through? What's the, what's the process? Maybe not even to yourself, but to your spouse or to your friend or to whoever.
0: Well, you know, there's a few things that I've learned, I think, uh, over my time and, and, you know, most people that do this kind of work have got their own backstories. So and there's a bit of my backstory in this. Uh, just very briefly, I'm not going into any sort of personal disclosure as such, but as a man growing up in a, in, a, um, in a middle-class household in the UK, which is where I'm from, very stoic family. So a lot, a lot of kind of, you know, um, good times, but no real emotional times as such. So there's a lot of silence around emotion. So I learned that early on. So there was no language, no, no real talking, yeah, you had to be good and behave, you know, mm. but there's no real expression of, of language. So, I, at I, the very early stages of my 20s and 30s, I had no language for what I was feeling either until I met somebody who said, You know, you've got a bit of a problem. You don't talk enough. Um, I don't know what you think and what you feel and what you need. I can't help you with that, but go and get, go and learn something about yourself. And I had never heard about this sort of stuff before. This was in my late 20s, early 30s. The the process that I discovered that I now work with is a kind of step by step process. One is to create safety, to be in the right space with the right person. The other thing is to learn to connect with what you're in tune with in your experience of yourself. It doesn't have to be feelings or language. It could just be you're uncomfortable in your body or you you're kind of lost concentration or you're not focused very well. The first thing is to understand how to connect with your experience. And in therapy, what we do is we do, we do a lot of breathing, a lot of slowing down with men, uh, a lot of time to sit in silence and think, what is the possibilities of your experience right now? I'm irritable, I'm, I'm restless, I'm hot and cold. And we slow the process down. And then we start to learn more about awareness of the internal story in our head. And often most men will start talking negatively about themselves. I'm not good enough, I haven't got the language, I'm an idiot, um, I'm emotionally retarded, that's a very common one. I can't speak. And, the, you know, mm-hmm. so that's the internal story. And yet that internal story is preventing the opening of understanding and awareness of what it means to feel something. And so we start with connection, awareness, raising, understanding language of emotion, where the backstory may be, how we learned about it, possibly, how to reflect on ourselves, how to diffuse the negative narrative, how we stop giving ourselves a hard time. And that's a kind of self-talk. It's a a self-hate, but it's also a self-judgment. Men can be very hard on themselves. I mean, I don't know what it's like for you guys. We can be very tough on ourselves very quickly. We've learned that as we've grown up, really. But so we, we kind of diffuse the internal narrative that's not working. And then we start reflecting and values driven work and then we start engaging more a bit about, so how do we change the story in our head? And we do that in a process really of talking but also learning to slow down and think about different ways of telling our story. And that's learning compassion, learning empathy and learning how to accept our experiences emotionally and physically and maybe relationally. Uh, and that kind of takes takes a bit of time. We do a lot of exper- experiential avoidance in our lives, all of us, not because men. We avoid the pain. <laughs> we, we feel that that's, that's what we're supposed to do. So we do everything we can not to feel or not to be in pain. Uh, and yet we know, as we know with the world right now, there is a lot of pain out there, a lot of struggle out there. But if we're suffering because we're not talking and learning, we stay in the suffering. Um, so that's kind of the story that I often present to men because it's so common in most men that I work with. And of course, that was my experience when I was partly in my young younger life that I was doing the same thing. I was escaping. I was doing everything I could not to feel anything. No one taught me how to, to do the language of emotions. So I did my own personal development work, my own therapy, my own supervision, my own training and my own masters in my counseling psychotherapy degree and learn to formalize my own personal experience so there's an authentic relating that happens in therapy which is really powerful yeah yeah i think that's really, really beautiful and like
2: some of the first one of the first things that came to mind was just how you've hired that the power of emotional intelligence And, you know, even just relating back to your kind of story, I know for myself, I wasn't aware of any of my emotions growing up, because obviously I was taught that, you know, expressing emotions is a sign of weakness as a man, and we're not trying to do that, we need to be providers, we need to show strength at all times, so that was my kind of conditioning of how to repress yeah. my emotions and I feel that and you know even for myself when I reflect on my upbringing I know that a very common emotion though that, that I was taught and I was able to kind of express freely and I wasn't, too, wasn't able to shy away from was an expression of anger yeah. I was like you know what it's okay for me to be angry because I'm like that's fine men do get angry And what yeah. it did is that it actually taught me not to feel sad and when I kind of reflected on it hindsight the reason I was angry was because I was sad yeah. So, I'm curious for any men that are listening to the podcast that might be in this same kind of situation. How do we feel that men go about processing this? Or how do we regulate and get a better understanding of where I'm at in the emotional spectrum?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the, 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 there's a couple of things. At the extreme end of anger, you know, the, the purpose of anger is really interesting to think about. Um, there's, uh, there's a few reasons why it happens. You know, if we're really overwhelmed, and yet we're avoiding what we're really feeling or we don't quite know what it is. And we're getting very, what we call flooded. So the brain's getting really hyper. We go into fight flight mode. So the anger is one of the fight modes. So we, if we're threatened by something, we'll go into that natural response. So anger and aggression uh, is kind of very common for men when they first come into therapy because they can describe their frustration. They can de- they describe their irritability and their mood and their aggression. And in some cases, you know, anger. So we have to de-escalate anger first. So that is about regulating, learning techniques to stress management techniques, calming techniques, you know, grounding techniques and what have you. The other thing though, which is probably, I mean, that's the, the high end of it. The most important part of this is I think the discovery of what I, I think is termed um, meta-emotion which is a bit of a jargonistic term, I don't know if you know, if you've heard of meta-emotion or not, Um, comes out of some of the emotion theory research around what it means is the way we feel about the way we feel. And we learn that in our environment as we grow up and we're taught, of course, men particularly, that sadness is not okay to have. So we don't want to have the feeling. So the more we have the feeling of sadness, we get more irritable about it and, and more kind of grumpy about it and resistant yeah. to it. And eventually, of course, you, you will know, and I know, we get triggered by the expression of the anger instead. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's like a whole anger iceberg metaphor. I don't know if you, you know the, the iceberg metaphor is kind of interesting. Yeah. The iceberg is, you know, 10% of an iceberg is above the waterline, 90% is below.
1: Yeah.
0: And in terms of, of certain kinds of emotions, particularly for men, um, we're very good at describing being irritable and moody and restless and grumpy and maybe pissed off and angry. So we know we feel that the, the chances are there are feelings underneath that we're struggling to identify or even accept.
1: Mm-hmm. So when
0: we teach when I teach men a broader expansive terms of emotion and start to learn to recognize ah, if it's anger, probably I'm, I'm reacting to another feeling. So I need to diffuse the anger and think, what else is going on here? What is the language that I'm not kind of accessing in my own brain? Maybe I don't want to feel sad, you know, we're not taught to feel sad. Most men say sadness is weakness, right? Or vulnerability in a broader sense is weakness. And the problem is if we want to love somebody and be in a relationship with somebody, or we want to kind of like ourselves and, you know, accept ourselves, we have to feel vulnerable. So, mm. if we're in this meta emotion struggle, I don't want to feel that. I don't, I'm resisting that. Then, where do the feelings go? They'll mm. go into behaviors and, and other kind of reactive ways of coping. So, I think anger, whilst it's useful, it's also like a secondary response, really, to other mm. primary feelings that are going on.
1: Yeah. And that's beautiful. I think that's really well said because as men, our biggest issue is all about bottling up and not yeah. feeling the whole emotional spectrum where yeah. either happy today or angry. There's not yeah. really much in between, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's it's really, really I guess like my big thing is like we know that we should do this. And it's great that we that we have the awareness to be able to make that leap. But if you had to probably a really hard question, but if you had to nail one thing one strategy one technique that someone could do really really simply to help them stop bottling stuff up or to help them start the process of feeling more and understanding what i'm actually responding to what would you say what do you do with your clients
0: um okay there's a few things there's a few (laughs) things you know one is um sitting in silence now that's a kind of interesting idea. It's not necessarily meditating or anything, but you know, in therapy, some of the, the most sort of useful kind of information that happens is when we're in silence for a little while, right, not for the whole session, hopefully, you know, five or 10 minutes. In, in people's lives, what I say to men is if you go out into the world, even between therapy sessions, and you start finding moments where you're not just distracted by doing something all the time, but you just go for a walk. You don't listen to your, you don't put your AirPods in or, your, or any music and you just go for a walk for 20 minutes, half an hour. And you start to use your five senses in your experience of going for a walk. You will start to be amazed of what comes up in your own reflection of what you're thinking about. So you make space for your own reflection. We're so busy and distracting. So you know, some distractions, obviously, okay, we need to be doing things. And it's fine to go to the gym and work out, you know, it's fine mm. to, to play video games, sometimes it's fine to go and do all sorts of things. But mm. if we're just sitting doing seemingly nothing, the brain itself will start to calibrate some kind of mental awareness. And we do it in therapy because it's safe to do so. So what happens is, you know, I'll sit with somebody for 10 minutes. So it's like, just close your eyes and just breathe and just see what happens. And let's see if you can share what's going on and we can talk a bit more about it. Or if you're starting to struggle with yourself and label yourself, then let's look at diffusing it in therapy. So it's quite experiential, but you have to create the safety to do so. I can't underestimate going for a walk on the beach or in the, in the, in the forest or in the park, as a way of having to sit with or walk through the silence. We're so busy looking for the skill and for the solution that we can Mm. kind of trip ourselves up a little bit. So it's learning to trust the brain's organic way of creating a bit of space. And it sounds very simple. It is quite simple to do. It's just, we sometimes don't choose to do it, you know? So that's a really important thing about not bottling. It's becoming a bit more aware. What am I experiencing right now? What do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? What do I taste even, you know? What's it like being me in the moment? And you'll be amazed of what comes up. Good things, bad things, different things. Don't buy into anything of criticism. Just let it be, you know? And it's a skill. It's quite a, it's a grounding skill, but it also stops us from being so distracted. So instead of bottling, learn to find safe space to see what comes up and see what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And most yeah. importantly, you know, if, if what you're thinking, is that helping you, is that serving you or not? Mm. And then that's we, true. you know, open up all sorts of possibilities there.
1: Mm. And that's, that's really true. Because I think that you nailed it, right? Like in terms of sitting in that silence and sitting in that stillness is very against the grain for a lot of men. Yeah, Because we're constantly yeah. searching for the tangibility in something, the skill. Yeah. The next step, the improvement, then current yeah. changes, rather than actually slowing down. I think when you said that, I think that really resonated with me in a lot of areas. In terms of like, I I want to see something come out of this, right? Like I'm not trying to just feel. Like I I, I want to see something come out of it. And yeah, it's, yeah. And it's and it's confronting because it's like my whole life and my whole like everything that we do is all about emotions and feelings. But even as a man, I'm still having so many of those moments where I'm like, I want to see. A tangible result, yeah, like a real tangible result. Well, it's so. a good
0: question because the expectation is really important. But if you go for a walk for half an hour, generally speaking, you'll start to brush away the cobwebs. Mm. When you come into therapy with with somebody after for, after about hopefully quarter of an hour, twenty minutes, you start to feel relief. So yeah. relief is actually an outcome. You know, yeah. <laughs> clarity becomes an outcome. The capacity to breathe becomes an outcome. And then maybe you'll start to pick some steps up in terms of solution. Mm. I need to do this more often, I need to slow down more often, Uh, I need to find space to do some good reflection without being busy on, you know, on YouTube or watching Mm. too much TV, you know, these are all they're they're all solutions, they're all steps, you know, Mm. Um, it's learning to trust the, the space in between distraction, solution and process. Mm. And that has to be about slowing down first. I mean, there are, you know, there are we know good, meditation is good for you. Exercise is good for you. Playing with your kids is great for you. Talking with your partner is brilliant for you. You know, um, learning a skill and a hobby is good for you. All those things are really good. And, and mm. I always encourage that for, for, to be the case for men, to have a balance of their own lives. But this is more about learning to be with your own brain and your own mind. Mm. There is a process involved in that. Um, you can do that listening to a good podcast. You can do it reading a good book. You can do it by doing a workshop, attending a workshop, you can go into therapy. There are plenty of, of options that people can actually, the men can actually do. But I think it's really about learning more about your own brain. And that's not easy. I know it's not easy because mm-hmm. our minds are really complex, you know. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. so fascinating so i'm just curious because
2: i know that like mindfulness is a practice that we try to encourage people to do on a daily basis and obviously their mindfulness routine can be you know it can be for one minute it can be for five minutes can be for 15 minutes it's dependent on the individual which is really, really
0: important yeah and i
2: know that with meditation you know even when i first started doing meditation i I was expecting a result, and outcomes come off the back of the meditation. or you're saying, yeah. the
1: yeah.
2: the organic thought that I was then able to process and just let it kind of just ponder in my mind. But I know when you're talking about sitting in silence is a little bit different to the meditation. So, would you recommend people integrate that part of the part of their routine daily, or you know, how should people be doing that?
0: I reckon. It, I reckon it's both. I mean, I, I've often when when I teach some some mindfulness skills in therapy, I'll, I'll say do it five minutes, five minutes a day. But it's a good question. It's about expectation. What do you what do you think is going to happen when you do five minutes of meditation or mindfulness? There's a number mm. of things that can happen. But if you if we attach ourselves to the outcome, we're already expecting something to happen. Mm. And we may or may not be lucky enough for it to happen. So, mm. so the idea really is looking at what it really means. And honestly, it's learning to observe our mind. It's learning to step back and look. It's learning to, to look at. What, what is happening within us without judgment, and that does take practice. Five minutes a day is a good start. 20 minutes a day is brilliant. Going for a walk in the park, you can, you can do it mindfully. I, I remember doing a 10-day a, um, meditation retreat in silence about 20 years ago, literally 10 days, learning a technique but not talking to anybody. And how people often talk about the monkey mind and what's going on in the mind and in the body, and it takes quite some time to just trust to watch and observe without buying into any particular narrative or judgment or story, but that takes practice. So five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. Um, And and then we start to regulate and the brain starts to get used to slowing down, which is amazing, but it's a skill that the outcome is you learn to be with yourself. If you're lucky, you'll feel more relaxed, a bit calm. If you're even more lucky, you can observe the frustration without buying into the judgment. Yeah, no, I love that. That's beautiful. And I
2: think that, you know, even for myself listening to this again, like it's just such great, it's such a great refresher for myself um, to be able to kind of understand and be like able to put things into practice for my own life and for my own mental health because the outcome is like, I was always attached to the outcome, purely. Yeah. And then when I didn't receive that outcome, yeah. moved, you know, I did to want to continue. So just that little yeah. separation in terms of what is the actual outcome is so, so essential. And I think it's that huge. that's
0: valuable for anybody that's listening. So and I'm bad. still learning, by the way. I'm still learning it. I'm still doing it. But I also, I, you know, I trip myself up and think, I want to do 10 minutes to relax. And then my mind's going off in all sorts of places. So it's an ongoing um, progr- progress, I think, really exactly exactly
1: right. if you're going through a tough time and you're looking for some support maybe a podcast is not the best place
2: for you yeah exactly and mental health can be a bit tricky and support should always be personalized so we created the recharge program to do exactly that so the recharge program is your one-stop shop
1: for all things mental health support it's an online program that allows you to have the best and most experienced clinical experts at your fingertips without the intimidating kind of setting of a clinical approach
2: Exactly. So this is how it works. We match you up with the best counsellor for your needs. You get one-to-one time with your own mental health nurse, over 200 plus minutes of content, weekly workshops with us and guest experts in different fields such as emotional eating, anger management, addiction and more.
1: So usually this will cost an arm and a leg, but we've worked really hard to give you payment options for as cheap as about 30 bucks a week.
2: So if this resonates with you, jump onto rechargewellness.com.au and click get started to talk to our team and see if this is right for you.
1: So that's rechargewellness.com.au.
2: So what I want to kind of do now is that, I, you know, we've been speaking a lot about emotions and mental health in general, but I want to kind yeah. of move it on to a specific um, topic about men and relationships. And I think this is fascinating because we get a lot of questions in relation to this, even I've myself yeah. in a relationship as well. I kind of struggle with this as myself on a daily sure. basis. And I think one of the common things that I hear a lot about is that, People would be in a long-term relationship for such a while with their partner, maybe on to marriage or whatever. And yeah. then suddenly, you know, there's been like a transition where the partner's like, you know what, I need to take a break or, you know, I don't think this is working. And it's come at a big surprise. Yeah. So why do you think that's the case? Is there something that as men, and maybe this could be going back to the emotional intelligence piece that we're not understanding in the relationship or, you know, what yeah. are kind of your views on that?
0: Um, OK, so well, I think it, it kind of, yeah, it is partly connected to what um, we were talking before about the way we avoid. Um, I mean, you know, the other thing is, I mean, there's a few things in this. One is we miss the signs because we're distracted or we miss the signs because we're actually avoiding consciously or we're avoiding conflict. We miss the signs because we don't see... Um, the emotions of the conflict or the difference as being valuable. So we dismiss them, if not disapprove of them. So we, you know, we've got very good ways of, you know, uh, compartmentalizing our experience and, and ignoring and denying what's going on. So that, that can be part of it. Um, the, other, the other part of it is, you know, um, relationships in terms of intimacy and understanding intimacy um, comes into my room a lot. And there are two reasons why men and sometimes couples come into therapy, that the two most common ones is that we're not communicating, or not communicating properly. And two, we're not having enough sex. Right? Yeah. Then they're the most common things that are, that are coming into the room. Now, if we break it all down, which is what we kind of do eventually in therapy is we're not communicating because we're, we're feeling the, the negative emotions of our lives. We're disconnecting or we're actually retreating from conflict or emotion. So we feel the distance. And depending on what kind of partner you're with, you end up with different patterns or kind of what I call choreographed moves, right? Like a dance. So if big generalisation. So I'm going to use the genders as a difference. Not always mm. true, but... Generally speaking, if there's a problem in the relationship, usually the woman, if it's a, you know, if it's a, a, a couple, um, will see the problem first and will pursue their partner in some way and try and communicate. And the guy most often is distracted or avoidant and doesn't want to talk. And so there's a bit of a dance move where the the woman is 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 kind of creating the move and he's kind of retreating away. And so you get this distancing, and then you get the opposite. You get two, two, two partners who are always pursuing, always arguing, but not really hearing or listening. So you get these, kind of, and we learn this from our you know, upbringing, but also we develop it in our relationships. So if men aren't connected to that, and they would rather avoid it and distract from it, they end up getting pursued, and they, they end up running away to some degree, or they end up fighting back maybe at times. So it kind of comes down to this expectation of what what does it mean to feel vulnerable, talk about differences safely, and really challenge the values of your relationship moving forward. But you need to have conversations about it. And that's where I think the definition of intimacy is really important. Communicating, obviously, is part of it, but understanding the emotion and what, what it means to listen and to hear and to validate and to encourage those kind of negative emotions, not, not bad emotions, but negative ones, so they can be heard and understood.
2: Mm-hmm. So I think
0: men generally, generally speaking, want to avoid the emotional conflict and they're mm-hmm. worried about being judged. And sometimes that's what happens. There's too much criticism, judgment. There's this thing called the four horsemen. Have you ever heard of the four horsemen in relationships? No, I haven't. It's just part of the, the conflict style of couples, but these four horsemen of the apocalypse, it's been researched with um, these guys in the States called the Gottmans, the, uh, the Gottman Institute. Amazing people, done lots of great research about relationships and why and how couples stay together. And they've looked at conflict and differences and reactions to conflict and differences. And the four horsemen basically are the first one is criticism, so being critical or blaming. The second one is being defensive. Mm. The third one is sort of contempt. So high level anger, but also, you know, put downs and the fourth one, which is very common for men is stonewalling. So when men are feeling something and thinking something, they're not sure what it is, but they're not saying anything, they shut down. Mm. So what we do in therapy is trying to identify some of those patterns and work out what's happening underneath the, the sort of defensive response. And that's where we do a lot of teaching around understanding what emotional intimacy is about. That vulnerability is part of love, mm. you know? Loving somebody is not just all the, well, hopefully it is, it's all the, the fireworks and the, all the good stuff going off, you know? But it's also about being vulnerable and being able to have space to sort of share some of those experiences with your partner. Um, so that's why it's kind of interesting to look at what men are doing with their own vulnerability, you see, because it feeds into the relationship as well.
1: And how does a man, like, again, again? this might be me going back to what I was saying in terms of wanting some tangibility, in yeah. terms of, like, how does a man make that step to be able to start improving his relationship and start improving and, pre- and preventing these these things from happening right because oftentimes by the time we as men realize it's probably been going on for ages and it's probably close to too late
0: there's a few things a good question because i think there's research about couples wait on average about seven years before they get help which is a long time um so there are four questions um And the the questions, they're quite, they're actually quite easy questions, but you have to think about them. The first question, this is for for a guy, for any partner, but for a guy, to sit down and think about um, if you can create the kind of relationship you want, what are the characteristics and what are the traits and what are the values? Mm -hmm. So if you can create the kind of relationship you want, what are those values, characteristics and traits? Now, The question itself is about looking at your current relationship, maybe, but also where you want the relationship to go. The second question, which is related to the first question is, what do you have to do to create that relationship as well? So what is it that's about you that you know that you want to be able to kind of engage with your partner about to shift things a bit? The third question is, how motivated are you and what are your blocks? How are you getting in the way? And the fourth question is, what are you actually doing that helps your partner to feel like they're loved and appreciated? So that those are four self-reflective questions. And, you know, the, the questions of values can be, there's a, there's a long list of, of potential values that couples will talk about. They'll talk about connection, care, respect, um, you know, fairness, acceptance, Sexuality, sensual, kindness, fun—all the good stuff—in uh, terms of being in a relationship. And if you break those values down, even on your own, you can start thinking, "Okay, well, you know, what do we do that fits that value, and how can we improve the value?" And of course, you've got to talk about it with your partner. Those questions are kind of a container for a conversation, and you'd be amazed of how how much that opens up. Uh, actual possibilities, solutions, behaviours, activities that you can move your relationship forward, um, and the, it's an exercise. It's only four questions, but it can it can keep couples talking for hours potentially mm. about how to keep checking in with your own expectations. I'm under no illusion, of course, that the reality for some men and some women is that maybe they're not in the right relationship, and and you know despite trying everything they can, they may end up separating. Of course, but. Mm. For men that are in relationships, they, they want to work it out, but that they want to stay. Those questions are fairly concrete, but they also open up all sorts of possibilities. Does that uh, make sense? Wow. Yeah, it
2: makes yeah. perfect sense. And I think that's excellent because from what I'm understanding of those questions is that we kind of shift the ownership to be like, okay, it's not about what my partner's providing or what they're doing for the relationship, but it's not well what am I actually doing, you know? Yeah. I understand all the characteristics and traits that I want to see, but what am I actually yeah. doing to actually enable that? Um, which is so big when we talk about the role that we play as men in relationships, not always just about the partner, it's about us. Yeah. But, you know, those questions, I think there's i I'm going to put those questions in the show notes as well, because I think yeah. those are excellent questions for anybody to ask yourself, mm. with the hope that it's going to lead to conversation. It's such powerful questions.
0: For yeah, them. definitely. I mean, the other thing, you know, I get, I get people coming in, uh, couples will come in in distress, they're not happy, and their usual starting point is they've got a list of everything wrong with their partner. Mm. Literally. That's happened in my session. I've had people coming in with an A4 piece of paper with a list. This is what he has to do differently. This is what he's doing wrong. This is what she's not mm-hmm. doing. We don't do this, we don't do that. And, you know, that kind of conversation at the beginning of a, a couples therapy session is kind of interesting to see where people start from but you don't get any resolution from that you end up mm. playing ping pong that's the four horsemen defending attacking blaming so when you diffuse that and you start opening up the the conversation what is my responsibility in this how do i how do i take responsibility to change part of it how do we listen to each other well how do we share these values that maybe we've lost and then mm. to together. So you're right. It's all about personal ownership and responsibility. Kind of has to be.
2: Otherwise, you end up Definitely. blaming the
0: partner, you know. Exactly. Exactly right.
2: Oh, wow. This has been such an excellent podcast. I want to conclude it with one final question. And it's going yeah. to be a big question, but I think it'll be a perfect way to kind of tie it up. From your experience, you know, as a man in this industry, doing what you do, which you're doing an amazing job in doing, for any of the men that are listening right now, what would be your number one piece of advice that you would give to any man that's listening in order to take that first step forward to improving their mental
0: health? The number one piece of advice. Whoa, what a question. <laughs> <laughs> Big one. Well, it is, well, I mean, you know, I, there's a few things that I say to men. First of all, you're not on your own. There are millions of men who struggle with the, with the same thing. So you're not, you're not on your own. I think it's okay to be brave to have a bit of courage to seek out some more learning and understanding of yourself. I, I, it doesn't have to be therapy, by the way. I, I mean, whilst I have a bias towards counselling, it doesn't have to be counselling. There are, there are some amazing resources out there, including what you guys are doing to go and seek out information, go and connect with some of the research and do some reading or listening. And remember that your brain is always changing. It always changes, it's always possible to do things differently. And sometimes we just all need to be guided somehow. If it's not somebody, it could be a book, it could be a program, it could be a workshop, it could be, you know, your favorite celebrity, it could be your favorite, you know, it could be you too, could be anybody, but start looking out there to see what's going on. Because when you look out there, you'll start to find the place to look inwards. Uh, and just give it a go. It's a, it's, it's a courageous step, but there are millions of people doing it right now in this moment changing so join that community of change i guess it's kind of it's important we've come a long way we've come a long way it's from from my younger days to my parents generation you know we've come i know we've still got a way to go it's not perfect but be brave and go out there because there's lots of amazing things going on so get connected i love that i love that that's that's a, I
2: think that's a perfect way for us to kind of conclude with such powerful motivation and empowering steps for that anybody that's listening. So Ooh. I really want to just take this time to just kind of commend you, Howard, for just showing up and you know your expertise is definitely shined through in this podcast. So thank you for thank doing you. That. thanks for having me. Oh, more than welcome. And I think that for the for the men that are listening right now that want to connect and find a little bit more about what you're doing, you know, even just anybody yeah. that's in the Melbourne area that wants to connect or maybe
0: in New Hampton, where can people find you? So the the website is where I get most of my referrals from. So it's menandrelationships.com.au. Or if you just put in men's, uh, Men's Counseling Melbourne, we're right on the top page of Google, which is pretty cool. So go and check it out.
2: Amazing, amazing. Excellent. I'll definitely put all those details in the show notes. If anybody's interested, please make sure to check that out. And Brilliant. for us, guys, if you want to continue following what we're doing, you guys really know where to find us at everything Nick and Femi. Um, I appreciate you guys' all support. If you guys really love this, if there's something else you want to delve in or you maybe want to do a part two, please leave a review. Comment down below. We want to create this podcast purely for you guys and to be able to serve. So I really appreciate you guys staying tuned if you're up to this point. You guys have an amazing week. And I'll see you guys in the next episode of Uncovered with Nick and Femi.